every sales leader, they're not talking about technology, they're talking about culture. Welcome to Growth Driver, where the best minds in B2B are redefining growth. Welcome to the show, everybody. John Common here. I am a CEO, I'm a founder, but most importantly, I'm a total B2B growth geek, which is why I am your host here on Growth Driver today. All right, so I've been thinking a lot, quite a lot about B2B sales lately. You know, before AI, before the pivot to efficient growth, I think the field of B2B sales has really been disrupted and and really transformed uh, by so many things. But the three that come to my mind are major changes and buyer behavior. And that that buyer behavior change honestly often has taken our buyers away from wanting to meet with us as salespeople, number one. Number two, a rise in the number of different go-to-market motions that are impacting the B2B sales function, right? So we've got account-based, we've got product-led, we've got customer-led, we've got partner ecosystems. All of these things have, you know, implications to the to the field of B2B sales. But I think maybe the the one that's most relevant today that I'm, we're going to dig in together, the third major impact on B2B sales is there's been an absolute explosion really over the last 10 years, but especially over the last five years in B2B sales technology, data, and now generative AI. So the question today on Growth Driver is what do sales and also marketing leaders need to be focused on? What's real? What's hype? Bullshit. Now, I can think of no better person to unpack this topic than uh, my friend Dan Gottlieb. I want to tell you a little bit about Dan if you don't know him. He's a senior director and analyst at Gartner, and specifically Gartner for Sales Leaders. Uh, prior to that, he was a senior analyst who led research and also did some consulting uh, in the sales practice at Topo. But what I like about Dan is he's just a smart, insightful dude. So Dan, welcome to Growth Driver. I'm so glad you're here with me. Thanks so much for having me. And I always struggle with those kinds of introductions because I, but I really appreciate all those nice things. I'm just a nerd and a student of the game. That's really all I think about. Yeah, man. Takes one to know one. That's why I love talking <laughs> to you. We did a little bit of looking into your background, as they say, and your bio, I caught something interesting. Your bio lists stand-up comedy and improv as a key creative influence. Okay, I just got to tell you, I find that is very interesting. So I've got a softball question for you. Oh, yeah. Here what, we go. Here we go. What's the connection between comedy and V2V sales, Dan? I, I think that there's so many connections between comedy and B2B sales, but one of the most important ones is the intention that goes into how you present and organize your communication. It is one of the most direct and obvious ways. When you think about in comedy, the close reading that goes on in interpreting how you communicate uh, a joke, how you structure a joke, how you structure timing, how you think about your physical delivery. It's a direct one-to-one -one impact, only that in comedy, you want laughs. And in sales, you want what you're saying to actually land with this group. In sales, it's actually way more complicated. Uh, as well as just this fear, pushing through the discomfort and the fear of putting yourself out there 
in a sales conversation, in a selling scenario, you know, those are those are two very interpersonal parallels between comedy and and sales. But I will say, if you could open a meeting with the appropriate level of joke, it is a critical way to get started on the right foot. I couldn't agree more. Let's dig in to kind of the meat of of, of the topic today. Let's start with a flyover. All uh -huh. right. So I I think you are so uniquely positioned in the field of B2B sales, obviously, which is what we're talking about today, but also just B2B go to market and growth writ large. So fly us over kind of what are the major trends happening today within B2B sales? Take it any way you want. What's the state of play? Oh boy. All right. Well, let me let me maybe um give some context on, you know, what are the inputs going into my brain right now? So at Gartner, I'm in a group called Gartner for Sales. And what we do is we provide uh, advice and research to B2B sales leaders across a variety of industries and their lieutenants in sales ops and sales enablement. And so what I think, um, you know, what matters there is that I've had a chance through this experience at Gartner to work with sales leaders across so many different industries about their sales organization, about sales technology and data and analytics and how they're thinking about it. And that has been super insightful. I mean, I have clients that sell fire hydrants to municipalities. I've got clients that sell cement, as well as clients that sell chips, uh, you know, in um, all around Silicon Valley. You know, I, 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 it, it runs the gamut. And so it's it's been a really, ex uh, I didn't realize how much I'd really enjoy that, actually. It's been, it's been very cool. So um, with that point of view in mind, I, I definitely think that one enormous uh, trend is uh, this acknowledgement that sales is, um, is constantly leading through continuous change, that change management, all of the playbooks that have ever been written about change management really... Um, I wouldn't want to say don't apply to sales, but need to be thought about completely differently for sales because there's constant tension. The second you start introducing change between the short-term priority of hitting the number this period and the long-term change we want to achieve. It's just in the design of change management against what my objectives are. And I think that sales has been hit so hard with change over the last several years, not just the pandemic, supply chain issues, inflation, these are all creating this. And now AI, it's creating this scenario where I'm just constantly leading through change. That is the standard. It's no longer just this thing that's been happening. I think that that may sound kind of silly, but if from a sales leadership point of view, you know, I've never seen so much interest in leading through change and identifying and thinking about how to reinvent how you lead in that environment. That that's probably been one of the more recent trends that is a little less technical, but very human and very relevant to sales. That's one. That's good. Um, yeah. And, and it's obviously bigger than just sales, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm interested in your take on this. I feel like the rolling series of black or gray swan events that you just listed, you know, the pandemic, the, uh, the, the, the Ukraine war, the supply chain issues, the rise in interest rates, the, 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 the end of growth at all costs, the beginning of efficient growth, all of these things have, I think, brought some degree of 
true, truly new things that we have to do. But I think there's also maybe a greater percentage by all of these changes where we're, we're needing to get serious about fundamentals in a way that we haven't had to get serious about fundamentals as leaders, as, as, as B2B growth teams, you know, and I could, I could list some examples about that, but I think there's been a lot of lip service to the kind of fundamental change that now B2B sales and marketing teams absolutely have to go through. Whereas before it was like, I strongly recommend you change. Now they have to change. What do you think about that? I think the, there's a lot of pressure to change that is uh, a necessity now. And it's manifesting in a lot of different ways, I think. Um, in, in some respects, you know, when you look at the, I mean, one of the, the, one of the most common trends that, that highlights this is how many heroic acts of selling are required to just get claw as close as possible to the number as possible, uh, quarter in and quarter out. And when you look at what those heroic acts of selling are, are actually looking like from a tactical level, you're realizing that sellers, it's not just about who can we get on the phone and what can we say to them, but it's this way more interestingly multi-threaded and digital experience where reps are actually creators creating videos as part of a digital sales rooms to send to different groups in order to just get their attention to think about us to get them on the phone. These like, um, when you think about the sales and marketing side, I mean, we have a lot to talk about there, but um, you know, you're starting to see a lot more interest in the blurred line between top and middle of funnel sales activities, um, where you're relying more on these sort of technical marketing, growth hacking type of skill set to make 10 SDRs look like 30 or more, right? Um, and so I, you know, we're uh, what's the what's the quote? There's, there's a quote about this. There's something about necessity and invention. If you know the quote, somebody knows the quote yes. out there, right? Yes. But yes. That, it's uh, necessity is the mother of intervention of, of innovation. That's it. That's the one. That's it. That's it. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, you know, Rico, whatever. I need more. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> that quote, I feel like that idea is yes. what is uh, happening in sales. And, you know, that there's so much uh, change happening at one time that there. We're, we're in this incredible defragmentation process right now where like there is no clarity on what the best is. There's just so much happening that in the next three to four years is where it, we'll be able to look back and realize where this new playbook came from. Um, but right now where it's so splintered that like the, it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what the best thing is, if that makes sense. It, it does. That's a neat way to put it. Put yourself in the in the in the shoes of an enterprise B two B sales leader, mm -hmm. and maybe an enterprise B two B CMO mm -hmm. going through that. They still have to hit their number <laughs> this quarter and next quarter. They still have to create and capture and convert demand. What are you seeing in terms of these sales and marketing leaders? How are they navigating it? That's kind of what I'm trying to get at from you is what are you really observing with your data set that you talked about at Gartner? The folks that feel like they're in more control are doing some basic fundamentals that are different. And this sounds, uh, this will sound overly simplified, but they're planning together. Um, 
their cadence for how they run their quarters and their uh, half year activities and their annual planning are a lot more integrated using shared data. And they're thinking differently about, about that. And their meetings are more productive because their field marketers in a region are looking at pipeline coverage in partnership with the sales leadership team to talk about things that they can do together, right? I, that's, a, that's one example of, I think, where I see organizations handling this environment and doing, uh, doing better work. Uh, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine is, an, is a sales development leader and um, has been very focused on, they report to marketing, um, and they have a lot of sales development uh, reps in this organization. It's a talent feeder to the sales organization. And um, their EMEA field market, you know, he knew that he was doing a good job when the EMEA field marketing lead came to uh, one of their key early quarter planning calls with ideas on how to fill pipe coverage gaps in two of the countries in EMEA. And that's like, as opposed to sitting, you know, you can imagine how those meetings typically go, right? I think that that's a, um, an outcome of that shared planning, shared data uh, approach that I'm seeing. Yeah. And that's a great example. And just to tie off, is that, is the need or the strong recommendation for B2B go-to-market teams to act like one revenue team, one growth team, not siloed executors of a grab bag of tactics. Is that really new? We knew that before the pandemic. We knew that. This right. is what I think. We knew that shit, man. But uh, as is often the case, not to get philosophical, but as often as, uh, is the case with humans and human behavior, it's one thing to know something. It's entirely another thing to do it. And what Oftentimes it takes to make a human or a team or a company or a culture move from knowing it versus doing it is that is that quote that you talked about. You need there needs to be often an external remover of excuses. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, an external force that says, I know you know it, but now we're gonna act we're gonna act like one team. We will right. align because we have to. Because we have to. Um because we have to. This is manifesting in in non-tech uh, verticals in in other interesting ways. So e-commerce, right? Um, introducing e-commerce portals. You know, a lot of a lot of large enterprise organizations that are really focused on um, margins. Every a lot of organizations we talk about profitability. We're talking about margins, but a lot of these businesses have been talking about margins for quite some time, and. So uh, one way you, that you see uh, traditional account management, we've got a client that sells paper products, um, you know, any kind of toilet paper or, you know, uh, any, any kind of paper you may need to run a facility. Uh, and in this example, you know, they're trying to shift from just the account manager working directly with their contacts and, and, and that annual touch basis uh, cycle for re-upping and reordering materials to introduce having the sales reps introduce digital buying capabilities through e-commerce. This is not mm -hmm. a an old this is not a new idea, but um, the push for better margins is what is driving the top-down interest in these initiatives. 
And so the sales leader is realizing I can't, I can't own this myself. I have to partner with marketing. Right. I have to partner right. with supply chain and I have to really convince my frontline and teach them how to use this technology to change their meeting because the meeting changes, right? It goes from how are you doing? Let's talk about your products. What, what's my reason to call you now? Um, there are reasons to call, by the way. They're just not the same ones you are comfortable with. And as a sales leader, they're having to organize that particular um, implementation. They're having to organize their people and they're having to partner with marketing to help them better uh, understand what what they need from them to even drive their clients to go to it, right? I need customer marketing's help to yeah. do this at scale. Um, yeah. So it's it's been really interesting to, to see the sales leader's interest in their relationship with their peers as a top topic for us. Yeah, you know, it, my feeling, just to tie off on it, my feeling is uh, I'm just glad we're here now in a weird sort of way. The, uh, here's another quote. Uh, from Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I'm watching our industry use the crisis. Maybe it's not a crisis. The opportunity that we're in right now to to uh, improve the way we behave cross-functionally. All right, let's dig in to RevTech, which is an area that you are, one of the areas that you're particularly skilled in and have expertise. I want to play a game with you. So let's play 2024 RevTech must-have versus RevTech nice-to-have, mm. right? So if you're an enterprise B2B head of sales CRO, you have to, you're under the mandate of driving efficient growth. What are the must-have platforms, data sources, and analytics you got to have? So I think you have to have more sophisticated data and activity capture capabilities uh, and and then use machine learning to help organize those against your deals so that you can look at and talk about your deals in a far more constructive way. And so let me give you examples of what that looks like. Um, the broadly, broadly categorized revenue intelligence, so tools that help with pipeline management, opportunity management, I mean, the core fundamentals of what it means to run a sales organization, but enriching that with um, activity data, engagement data, scoring, um, so that you can have, it's not, it's not necessarily just about having these conversations um, that you're already having, but actually so you can create a culture of self-accountability in your sales organization so that you can make it easier for one sale seller or one sales manager that manages 120 deals a quarter to better prioritize time. Um, I think that that is probably one of the most core needs is making sure you're spending time and the right deals in the right ways or uh, on deals that we need to spend time on. We can think more creatively about what to do there instead of spending a lot of our time as sales leaders interrogating what is actually happening in the deal. Um, that that's it's 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 to me a, a an essential need, um, and part of that includes capturing voice data, capturing recorded calls, um, and this isn't to. I think that what we're in the middle of here, and why I care about this a lot as a former sales rep, right? Um, I'll never forget, uh, are you asking me to put data 
into the CRM, and then you're just gonna kind of berate me about what is or isn't there. I, I don't really like this very much, right? Um, any sales rep knows that I can control my narrative based on what I put into the CRM, but it's because of the way the information is used by the leadership team. Um, what, we're, what AI is gonna do for sales, what it's doing right now for organizations that have been using this tech really well, um, it's funny, I, I ask a lot of vendors, introduce me to users, introduce me to clients. I wanna talk about that. And every, every user that I've spoken to about revenue intelligence, this broadly defined group, I'm not just talking about it for using to manage your forecast, but really in this other more deal pipeline management way. Every sales leader, they're not talking about technology, they're talking about culture. They're talking about the way that they can set expectations for you to own your path to your number. And so when you come to the call, I don't want you to go around in a circle and tell me what's going on in your deals. I want you to tell me what your ideas are for what you're gonna do about it. And I want you all to trade notes on that. And that and I you're think saying is a really it- cool shift uh, and is essential right now in making sense of your path to your number in quarter. Growth goals are tough to hit. I know it, you know it, and the kind people in intelligent demand know it too. That's why they have a team of experts across media, content, creative, rev ops, and strategy who know how to work together and with you to crush your revenue growth goals. Reach out to them at intelligentdemand.com, schedule a free consult, talk some shop. Tell me if this is true. To make that happen, to make those conversations in the quote unquote, the traditional, not no longer traditional sales forecast meeting, instead of it being berating me about the data that I put in the CRM, to make those, the quality of that conversation happen, uh, go up, uh, we need to capture more and better data and then associate it to contacts, opportunities, and accounts. So that what I'm hearing you say is we need to widen widen uh, the, the, the way we capture and attach meaningful data to those things, to contacts, to accounts, right. to opportunities. Is, am, I getting, am I picking up what you're putting down? That's exactly right. I, I think it's a fundamental baseline uh, uh, competency in every ops organization that can open up a lot of doors for how you can use um, sales tech in more creative and interesting ways, especially when we start talking about AI. Um, but I, that capturing just fundamentally capture, improving how we capture data and make sense of it at the deal level, uh, for the manager and the rep to, to constructively focus on how they think about approaching their deals and prioritizing their time is such a baseline of, uh, capability. And it's not something that we often um, necessarily talk about that way. Uh, you know, I, I, and I, that's what I find. So like, we don't talk about it in the, in the, in the realm of culture. We don't talk about it. How, how does better insight affect culture? We don't really think about that, but that is actually what every CRO I've spoken to that's bought any of these products wants to talk about when I ask them about it. Um, and that I think is is uh, exciting for us. It, it's it's the more important story for us to be telling um, around why you capture better data. It's not for just accountability reasons. It's uh, so you can elevate how you are talking about uh, and owning and understanding your path to to sales. Um, and that's 
So let's fun. let's make it. Yeah. Let's make it. So let, let's make it. Um, take. Let's make it more pragmatic, though. So I I think I understand the vision and the idea. Land it in the actual typical enterprise B two B company's tech stack. Like they they literally have, they have. You know, they have sales engagement platforms. They have conversational intelligence platforms. They've got a, probably an MAP platform. They've got a, uh, intent data sources. They certainly have a CRM system. They have an account-based platform. Um, help me. There's, they, have, they have multiple analytics and attribution uh, platforms. To make that culture change, better insights that improve culture to, to enable easier, more consistent path to the number that you're talking about mm -hmm. in a typical company, what does that really look like? What does it like land it in specificity for me? There are several ways to implement these capabilities today. I think this is what makes is the heart of sales tech mayhem. Uh, there you can do this through the sales engagement platforms of the world. You can do this through the revenue intelligence platforms of the world. Uh, you can also do this uh, through uh, your core CRM. Uh, the, the, the challenge that you have in determining this path is the it, tech that you are investing in to capture the data and organize it for you. Um, and so, you know, there's the, that's what makes this so interesting. There is no one best way to do it. I think that every sales tech vendor that uh, is realizing they need to offer these capabilities and are. I think that um, you know those are the those are the specific capabilities, and and you have to think about it in two ways as a sales leader. Do I want to capture data into a third party tool and let them capture it and organize it for me, um, or do I want to capture that data into our CRM, and then that uh, and then do that analysis? Uh, ourselves or with just a couple of those of those vendors. Right. Those are two different structural approach uh, approaches yeah. and differences. Um, but in the everyday, I mean, I've, that's what makes this heart of sales tech so crazy right now is, you know, I have clients saying I have Gong, I have Outreach and I have Clery. What should I what what should I do? Right. And, and right. the reality is what I just talked about. You can do in all three of those products. Well, OK, this is a perfect. Thank you for that. And, and I follow you. And this is a perfect segue. There is a tech reckoning underway, sometimes shortened to tech consolidation. And there's a couple of flavors, obviously. There's, you know, there's um, vendor consolidation potentially underway, mm -hmm. already underway. But there's also tool and or feature consolidation. And I think what you just mentioned is a perfect example. You just named three platforms. You said, I'm trying to accomplish said goal. I can do it, I think, maybe with any one of these three or some combination of these three, or I can roll my own, so to speak, into my own CRM system. So how, do, how should I do it? Meanwhile, um, along comes the tech reckoning that I think we're in. So I want to ask you, do you talk to, what's your point of view? What are you seeing around that reckoning, around that consolidation? And well, let's just start there. What, what are, what are, what are, how real is it and how is it rippling through? Um, so, so uh, it's very real. I think the conversation I just shared with you, that, that example, oh, I have Salesforce, Outreach, Clary, Gong, for example, among many other types of vendors, yeah, right? Um, there's many others, yeah. And, you know, what, what do I do, right? Should I, cons how do, should I think about consolidating? And, 
and here's what's happening. I think that the market, the vendors, um, their pressure to grow and show a path to growth is really what's driving a lot of this activity in the vendor community. Um, clients are seeking um, less complexity, but are not necessarily or have to take into consideration the change cost of migrating vendors. And yes, given the market is at a position where uh, we have vendors in one category that are adding on capabilities, you know, one is more enterprise ready and another is just maybe getting there. And the same goes for each of these vendors in the market. So what it's creating is this scenario or a lack of confidence where safe buying, safe renewals, kicking the can down the road is really what's translating to a lot of customers. But a lot of my customers are looking for, they wanna know what's the net value add. Am I really, am I really saving, is it really just saving money? Is it, is it worth the few thousand dollars that, to save um, if I have to spend a year switching right, right now? I'm not sure. The real ROI, of course, CFOs probably wouldn't agree with me, but dropping my total light software licensing fee X percent per quarter or per year is meaningful. And it's meaningful because it's happening. I mean, I, you can quantify. It's easy to quantify. It is. And, we can, I, and, I, and it's near term. Those are two things CFOs love. Easy to quantify and immediate. But that's not, I think what I hear you saying is that's not really the source of the, of the bulk of the ROI. The source of the bulk of the ROI is, is in what am I going to, how do I hit my growth goals better? That's right. <laughs> More consistently. How do I enable my sales team to, to, to have that path to the number um, easier and more predictably? Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, and what's, what's happening here, and this is the thing I'm constantly trying to espouse to my clients, right? is they're coming into those kinds of questions. And, you know, it's all obviously gonna depend on their situation, how they go to market, where the adoption lies, where's the wind blowing internally. Um, and when I'm talking to clients about buying sales tech, you know, I, I really want to try to get them to focus on understanding um, what their reps actually need and want and also, um, how does that map to a few different design criteria, right? There are ways you can figure this out. Um, we try to guide them on better engagement with buyers or better alignment to the key buying job to be done at these moments in time. Um, the, the second thing we wanted to focus on is, can you just reduce some friction for the reps here? Uh, a lot of enterprise selling is team selling, a lot of internal team selling, and we don't often think about how hard that is and finding spaces for that kind of uh, reduced, reduced friction. And can we help you adapt your tactics based on data? What are, the, what are the data points that you can adapt your tactics for? And instead of asking that generally, I, isolating very specific parts of customer acquisition, uh, retention, and expansion process, and isolate those moments in time and ask those questions. And I think that what we're seeing from our clients is that their existing investments, they're not even thinking about them nearly as broadly as they can. 
Um, they're not thinking about maximizing the value. They're very focused on these like niche use cases. And just, you know, the vendor told me this is what I should use, use it for. And that's what I'm using it for. They're not as good at self-awareness or um, creating a vision about what's possible and then going shopping, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest areas that we're focused on with our clients in sales tech. And so if, if someone were to say to me that question that I shared earlier, I've got these four vendors, which one should I use? I'd say, well, let's open up your sales process. Let's talk a little bit about it. Let's talk a little bit about where your uh, actual, um, you know, how dependent are you on prospecting for your account executives? How dependent on you are you? Who, are you listening to call recordings at all? Um, what's your pipe and forecast management process like? Like, uh, th those are some of the ways that we try to get it back to. It, it has it's less about your tech, and a lot more about um, that culture that you're using it for. What are one or two things that the marketing function could do to improve? the level of insights and that, and to improve that culture, that selling culture that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, okay. Just one or one or two things. I, well, can we, can we, can we agree that we're going to leave ideal customer profile analysis aside because it's too obvious? Like, sure. It's too, you know, like, I think that's such a, if we're still talking about that, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say, you know, hey, let's right. put that, let's put that aside. Yeah. Um, Thou shalt have an ideal client from, okay, done. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So to two, I think more interesting things that would be happening here. I think the first one would be um, teaching the sales organization, lending your marketing ops professional skills towards identifying opportunities where the sales team can benefit from automation. And um, that I think is I th one why marketing ops, why that skill set, because marketing ops is really one of the few skills where they not only have to think about the relationship between tech, data, and automation, but the audience level messaging, right? It's that last layer of connecting the data and and segmentation that is used to the messaging that we can apply now with AI to selling scenarios. And I think this is where one thing that marketing can try to be proactive, and you see this in some places, right? You see this in places where, you know, you're starting to see marketing move further, further down the funnel in terms of the role that they play in supporting the sales organization. Um, but I think that that's one high level thing that we can do. The second thing is, um, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, is, is understanding um, coverage uh, and how the pipeline management process works and incorporating those insights into planning, having slack in your planning so that you are able to make some adjustments to your programs based on those particular, um, based on those insights. And so, it, you know, you could, I think that's an outcome that level of planning, you know, uh, that's a, that's an outcome to aspire towards. Uh, something that may align to that is better talent alignment, meaning like the way our orgs are designed are closer or more similar in resemblance. Um, meaning, you know, we we have marketing resources 
that understand the, the, the segmented nuances of the sales organization and beyond. That's the, these are not new ideas. I think that they're just fundamentals that matter a lot more right now. Yeah. Okay. That's great. You, you mentioned, you mentioned AI several times. I knew we would, let's take it squarely. Um, we could talk about AI for hours and hours, but, um, and by the way, I would point our audience, uh, uh, Dan, I heard you give such a great definition and just some fundamental information in a Gartner podcast recently. Big shout out always to Gartner and that podcast episode. Go listen to it because I don't want to recreate that content that you already nailed about just fundamentals of AI. Instead, through the lens of this conversation, what are a couple of critical use cases in, in B2B sales and maybe marketing where you would say, look, start here, start here, y'all. And the y'all is sales teams, marketing teams. Um, so, so let me tell you a short story. I, I'm going to answer this question. I, uh, okay. So I had been introduced to generative AI in 2022 through one of the cool parts about Gartner, you get to meet all these technical experts, right? And as someone who had done messaging consulting, I was like intrigued by it. So if you want to sign up for a presentation, in Gartner for a conference in May, you have to sign up in October, right? So right. Uh, in October 2022, I signed up for what I thought would be this way out there weird presentation at our conference called Generative AI for Sales, a new kind of sales creative. Uh, and I do this masochistic thing where I invent a title and then I back the preso into the title. And it got accepted and I was like, cool, I'm excited to do this. And then a month later, my friend sent me a link to ChatGPT and my stomach like turned inside out because I knew that this was gonna be an insane year. Um, and so to make matters more entertaining, right after that, the Gartner Research Leadership Team kind of did like a search and was like, well, who's been thinking about generative AI in the respective practices that we support? I just signed up for this prezo, so there you go. That is how I was anointed the expert in our practice. So. The imposter syndrome that I have felt for the last nine plus months has been insane. And it has motivated uh, that. I just wanted to share, like, I only feel like I'm just like a little bit further ahead than from than some peers because I've been tasked with having to learn and teach about it as fast as I can. So I just, you know, I think everybody feels that way. I just we don't talk about it that way sometimes. Um, no, I appreciate you being so real and authentic. <laughs> like, uh, th th I heard a quote from. I forgot who it was from, but they said the distance between someone who knows nothing about AI and someone who is currently really knowledgeable about AI, that distance is never going to be smaller than it is today. Oh yeah. And so, so, right. And so it's, it's about to just explode. Yeah. But if you're, if you're feeling like an imposter, join the club, we're all exactly. working through it. It makes this conversation right. a lot easier to have. Okay, so I don't expect you to have perfect knowledge, but um, still, what are a couple, where should we start? I okay, so I, I think it's a really, really wildly compelling topic. So there's two ways to think about like how are, how is this really taking place in in our sales in sales today, and then there's which use cases should we apply it to, and so there's one there's one way to think about it. So so those to, to answer like how is this manifesting? You've got the bottoms up raw. I'm already using stuff today. I can go to ChatGPT. I can go to Bing. I can go to Bard. I can go to any of these apps and use it right now. And I think that not enough organizations are really acknowledging that that is actually what's driving a ton of the initial Gen AI habit forming right now. And um, the other is top down 
enterprise investments and spend in Gen AI programs and technology for in our tech stack today. And uh, those are happening in parallel, uh, whether we like it or not, that is what's happening. They're happening in parallel. So that is, I think, my like initial assessment of, okay, great. So what should we do? Um, there, you know, in, to answer the first, which use cases should we focus on? I mean, I think that what makes the sales use, you know, there's, uh, I'll pick one for each, right? Okay, um, great. For the yeah. bottoms up use, the high level uh, a use case that we've been talking about is called generative value messaging. And this is really about using research and, and accelerating and using generative AI to turn our research process into this, um, into, into atomic insights and then examine those insights with a point of view and then take that point of view and turn it into creative ideas for how to approach uh, an email, a call, a campaign. And I, you know, when you look at these prompt threads that reps are using for research, I mean, you can go, you can go to Claude and take an earnings call and have a really targeted thread. You can go to some of these apps that are plugged into the internet um, to have these really targeted threads where you're not just relying on the large language model, but you're relying on it as a composition engine. Like yes. the, 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 it is really a three-step process. Um, you know, manufacturing insights, right? What is this earnings call telling me um, about right. dot, dot, dot? Taking a point of view to say, why does that matter to people in this role or that role at an organization right. like this? Um, and then to that third level, which is the really valuable part for the sales organization. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those first two are already valuable, right? I'm accelerating my research process. But so you can dot, 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 have a more targeted point of view and a better engagement in your sales conversations. And so... That, that drives personalized messaging, better offers, better calls to action, that right. drives better engagement, that drives better revenue performance, totally. Right, so... And hope, yeah. yeah. That, that's right. So that, it's that actually, I think that last mile, so it's that last mile of applying it to your conversation of a specific company, a specific persona, a specific product, a specific scenario, and you know, using it to collaborate is that creative process. I think we should, we need to nurture that because sales is such an unstructured workflow all the time, right? Um, so much unstructured research, uh, data gathering, insight gathering. And then as a rep, we synthesize and we bring it and present it on a conversation. Um, and a lot of it is using external data that's already available on the internet, right? Um, so so what does a program look like to support that? Um, we see companies investing in what we call generative AI literacy, which is, it, it's not just about using it in sales, but there's still these fundamentals of like responsible use. Base, ba then you talk about the basics of using it for prompting, et cetera. And, you know, that's really going on right now um, across a lot of sales organizations, smart reps, training each other, teaching each other, posting about it online. Um, and, uh, you know, those are, there was a Boston consulting group. They released a study just uh, just recently. Really, really cool stuff. Um, they basically tested it on their consultants, right, uh, to to try to understand it. And they, you know, they um, the the productivity gains were pretty substantial just from a efficiency standpoint. There obviously it was, it was the mid or mid or high twenty percent, wasn't it? Yeah, 
Uh, and, and that for the lower performers, it closed the gap a lot more than the top performers. Yeah, Very interesting right. insight. Um, yes. The point being, it's immediately valuable. This isn't some ethereal, this isn't the metaverse, this, right? Like this is, right. this is it's, it's already yeah. happening. We're not trying to figure out how to make blockchain connect right. to B2B go to market. Yeah, right. totally. Um, all right. Uh, mm, that's such an interesting topic. Um, I want to, I want to dig in. I got to ask you at least one question about sales development. Okay. Is sales development still relevant in B2B in light of chatbots, AI, et cetera? I have an opinion, but I, you are, a, are one of the true experts in this area. Is it relevant? And if it is still relevant, how is it properly used in 2024 and beyond? It is still relevant. It's changing. So um, there will always be a need for an, a feeder, a talent feeder for the sales organization. Um, that has not always been, it's super funny. I've done a lot of calls with clients that are like, how do I justify the value of the sales development organization? And they're very focused on pipeline performance but I, if you ask them about how many of their reps they've lost to internal hiring, it's it's kind of this uncontrollable problem that a lot of it's not a problem. It's not really a problem to the enterprise. It's great, but it's not quantified in its value. Um, I think you know so so that that will not go away. Now, what does that role look like? So so to answer the question more directly, they're still relevant in the pipeline generation value proposition. There yeah. is a channel, so? there is there is at least one channel that still does really well when it is performed correctly. And that is the phone. The phone is a very high converting channel for organizations that are able to design their programs around using it intelligently and effectively and the phone is also the original channel where we would use to train sales reps on how to prospect and create pipeline. And as long as that channel is still a converting channel, you need talent. That is the, a more direct answer to that question. Um, mm -hmm. Now, however, right, and I, by the way, I have, I have some clients that have shown me some very compelling um, dial to connect ratios connect to qualification ratios today, even because it's bolstered by the quality of their go-to-market program around them, right? Mm -hmm. They're not just loading it all up and dialing away. Um, that's the difference. That's the difference. Now, I want to highlight that I do think that the whole middle of the funnel is like going to be blown up, um, is already being blown up, right? These new and interesting titles, growth, taking over more of the automated email sending. Um, like I, I, I think that uh, interactive demonstration software, I love that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I, but I, my stomach cringes when I see demand gen marketers celebrating how good that content was at conversions because hello, do you remember what the best button used to be on the website? Get a demo, right? You just, you, we're taking it over. We're, we're, the lines are blurring 
because mm-hmm. uh, of of this type of all of these moving pieces. So the sales development rep, I still think there's a place for the mid funnel product educator, the mid funnel customer uh, engagement, the customer collaborator. That there's still a place for that, um, and there's still a place for those conversations. It's a separate skill set than the actual running and closing of deals that will be available, what that looks like uh, in the future. You know, you're already seeing it in this in the product led growth world, right? We're calling them sales assist or or other types of roles. I I think that that is not going away. This quasi sales product, customer service and success skill set that is actually great for early career folks. Um, So Hmm. That's my it's it's not going away. It's changing as uh, as the the whole buying process evolves with it. I follow you. I agree. Uh, I increasingly am thinking when I hear the word or see the phrase SDR. I am increasingly. Replacing that with uh, this is going to maybe this is a weird way to put it, the human channel of engagement. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying. Instead of saying, hey, should we use the SDR to do that? The problem with that is that it it brings up um, the negative and well-earned negative connotation of mercilessly spammy, untargeted horseshit. That's the abuse of the SDR function, the misuse, the technology-enabled misuse of SDR. So instead of saying that, in my mind, I'm saying in my mind, what's where would be the where would be a great application of a well-enabled human? And when you ask it that way, all of a sudden you go, oh, I need humans, yeah, but I need them here, 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 and here right. to be well-coordinated and well. And I, anyway, I don't know if that is well, useful, but it, I, that's it how is I think useful. about it. And I think that the spam problem is only going to get worse if you hand bot reins over to growth marketing. 100%, man. All right, um, all right look, so I, we, I, I got to do lightning round with you. Okay. Oh, so lightning round. All right. We're going to go super fast. Don't overthink it. It's like an ink blot Rorschach test. Okay. So here we go. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's good. Don't worry. I'll be, it's going to be, it's going to be. I'm wonderful. looking forward to this. Um, all right. Don't overthink it. I know you're super smart. So what's the biggest mistake sales teams need to watch out for when it comes to AI? Not focusing on positive reinforcement and behavior of using the technology or abusing the transparency that comes with it. What's the most frequent mistake you see B2B companies make when it comes to how they manage their sales tech? Do you even know why you want to buy this in the first place? <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. It's selection. I, I had it's a client, selection. I had a client just complain to me about last night, literally last night. This was a call I had earlier last night. Their uh, CEO texted them a link to a random vendor and said, we should be doing this, dot, dot, dot. And I'll t- I, I'm not going to tell you who the vendor was. I'm not going to. But it was a bad idea. But anyways, okay. Yeah. I, oh, I have I have empathy for that because I have to. I'm the CEO and my company, and I have. Oh God, you just called me out, dude. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm my... just. I, I, um. Do, oh, self awareness. Are you self aware? Do you, do you no, really I, feel I'd like agree. you know it? Yeah. Is is the number one yeah, thing. No. All right. Keep the all lightning right, okay, round back going. On. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, 
the absolute worst take about AI that you have heard recently? Oh gosh, the absolute worst take about AI um, is that it's going to completely replace uh, salespeople. One great piece of advice for heads of sales, CSOs. Focus on your end users when you're buying tech. Ooh, that's good. Okay, one great piece of advice for the leaders of sales development teams today. Keep following your curiosity and keep sharing what the creative kids are doing. Mm. Mm. Good, so wanna double click on that. One great piece of advice for CMOs. VPs of marketing. I'm going to say, like, um, don't sleep on the value of call AI data. Mm, no, that's good. That's great. That's a great one. Okay. Um, just a couple of more. Uh, where do you turn? So many people turn to you for inspiration and education. Where do you turn for inspiration and education? I try to approach my life like a journalist. I try to call people that I know and trust and, and just teach me things. Uh, I also like to look at different disciplines for ideas. I actually go to other Gartner analysts that aren't in sales tech a lot uh, as well. I think that they're incredibly smart people and I didn't realize how much that would influence me. Uh, and I, I think every, every there's always something to learn in any situation. And so sometimes sales Instagram is a really good source of insight. Totally. Yeah, that's good. Hey, um, last question. What, what keeps you, Dan Gottlieb, energized and engaged about this thing we all do called B2B growth? What, what, what makes you keep showing up? I think uh, any time two groups of people feel like they do, uh, uh, that their partnership is adding mutual value to each other's lives. It's like this uh, social emotional currency that, that gets everyone paid. And I get to contribute to that a lot through the job. It's this very like interpersonal benefit. So I, what keeps me motivated is uh, that the, the work that I can do can help improve indirectly how a lot of people approach uh, and get to create that feeling for themselves. I think that's a big one for me. It's awesome, man. There's so many people in our industry, Dan, who, um, who are naturally drawn to the technical stuff, the tactical stuff, the numerical stuff. And I know you appreciate that and love it. But I think one of the things that separates you from a lot of your peers, if I can tell you as a someone who knows you, uh, is, is what you just did just now, which is you connected to the human piece. I love that about you, man. You're, um, that's the, you're really, you're really, you're really good for a lot of reasons, but that's one of the big ones. Don't ever lose that. I appreciate that, John. And, and if I was really motivated by the money, I wouldn't have left sales, you know, like <laughs> I, uh, I did better in my twenties, uh, you know, and that's just the nature of the beast. But, um, yeah, I, I that that is the stuff that I'm gravitated towards. And, uh, yeah, I'm just glad that I can use that at work. Well, thank you for bringing all of this 
smarts and caring and expertise to growth driver. I really, I really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Um, you're very in demand. Thank you so much. I just want to thank you for, for doing this today. And any final thoughts or tips or advice uh, before we sign off? No, I, I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, um, thanks for having me on growth driver. Um, and you know, I, uh, to be uh, included as a name amongst all these other amazing names in this list for any user that's scrolling up and down uh, on this podcast is um, is humbling. So I appreciate the the at bat here. All right, buddy. Well, hey, um, get back to it, and we will see you out there in the world. Thanks, John. Likewise. See you, buddy. See ya. Thank you for spending some time with us today. And I also want to say thanks to the entire Growth Driver team, Brianna, Jeremy, Josh, uh, Ben, and also my co-hosts, Mike and Anne-Marie. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you soon. Last thing I would say is uh, don't forget Growth Driver is brought to you by the smart and kind people at Intelligent Demand. If you need an expert growth partner to help you drive revenue at your company, Check them out at intelligentdemand.com. All right, talk to you soon.